customer experience should engage, not enrage. And yet we seem to live in a country where customer experience, and I'm not just talking about financial services here, is an afterthought. In this episode, it's just me and the mic talking about customer engagement, the lessons from social media, and whether this should be a focus for financial services providers rather than the continuous adding of spurious benefits. That's all right here in episode 79 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. Welcome folks to the Empath Podcast. Thanks, as always, for taking the time to stream or download this episode and for giving me and my guests a little bit of your precious time. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy from Edinburgh, and I help people like you with your marketing strategy, content marketing, and social media. Until I set up my own business, I was in and out of senior marketing roles in UK financial services companies for two decades. Some of you might remember me as the marketing director and then the managing director of Bright Grey and Scottish Provident. I've been travelling quite a bit this week or so and I'm taking a break from the interview format mainly because I had an experience recently with a financial services provider that I want to tell you about and that got me thinking about engagement and innovation in financial services. We'll be back to the interview format next week and I'll bring you an interview I'm really excited about. Chris Marr from the Content Marketing Academy will be on the show to talk about how you can grow your business using the principles of content marketing. Recorded a few weeks ago, it's a fabulous interview, positively overflowing with ideas and insights. But this week, let me start with a question. How important is customer engagement to you? When I think about customer engagement, I always think that it's better from smaller companies. Financial planners are particularly good at customer engagement, but as companies get bigger and more bloated, they do tend to lose it when it comes to customer engagement, or they may not even get what customer engagement really means. We talk about customer service, we talk about customer experience, but the engagement factor to me is the most important thing when dealing with a customer. I like to be made to feel important. I quite like it when people call me sir. Positive experiences, unfortunately these days, seems to be fewer than the negative experiences. For example, if I arrive in a new city, I often tweet the fact to my followers on Twitter. And I remember one time I was down in Bristol and I arrived at Bristol Airport, got the phone out as you do, and typed in, just arrived at Bristol Airport, heading into town. Within about 15 minutes, a very clever restaurant that had obviously been scanning the hashtag Bristol came across my tweet, obviously saw that I was a visitor to the city, and they tweeted me, welcome to Bristol, hope you have a good time. If you're hungry and you like Indian food, come and visit our restaurant. It wasn't overly promotional, it was engaging. They were welcoming me to the city, they were making me feel good. They wanted me, obviously, to go to their restaurant. But it wasn't an in-the-face advertisement. It was an engaging approach using a social media platform to try to get me to go and visit them for a nice meal. Other things that I think are positive is in a company where somebody will take ownership of a problem. So if I phone up and it doesn't matter whether it's an airline or a financial services company 
or I want to get the car serviced or something like that. It's when you get through and somebody says, hello, my name is so-and-so. From this moment on, I will be in charge of your experience. I will make sure that we deliver what you need. When somebody takes ownership, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel positive about that company. And it's going to make me feel much better about going back to them in future. Unfortunately, there are negative experiences as well, which make you wonder why you want to deal with certain companies. A well-known telecommunications giant in the UK, BT, is particularly rubbish at initial customer service. If you have a problem with your broadband, with your telephone line, you'll go through to a huge call centre somewhere in India and you'll have to face endless scripts and endless questions and endless tedium until you finally get an answer to your query. Or sometimes you don't get an answer to your query. Sometimes this drags on for days and days and days. If you manage to get through to their executive complaints department, however, or if you deal with their Twitter account, BT Care, you maybe have a completely different experience where somebody will take ownership for your problem and will find a way through and will make you think that you're an individual and you're valued and that they want you as a customer. Some other companies, some train companies particularly, never even answer tweets, hardly ever answer emails, are impossible to get through to on the phone. Poor customer experience. And the reason I was thinking about this is because over the last few weeks I've been doing a lot of work on social media with some clients trying to find out and learn a bit more about the engagement factor that we see on social media. Now I will caveat this, remember I'm a marketing person and marketing people often look at things like social media, look at new platforms and immediately try to work out how they can use those platforms to promote, to sell their goods, to get people to buy, to get people to come along to them. And we do need to remember that social media in particular is just that. It's a social platform. It's about having a conversation. It's about engagement. It's not broadcast media. It's social media. And unfortunately, a lot of marketeers do tend to get into these platforms and they tend to ruin them. They tend to start spamming. They tend to start being overly promotional. And I think that's a bit of a problem. But I focused in my investigations over the last few weeks, when I was learning a bit more about the engagement factor within social media, that's what I focused on, the engagement factor. And it's remarkable the sort of conversations that are happening between people on Twitter. Obviously, you get the personal interactions with people saying where they've been, posting photographs, posting links. You might get business to business people talking, not overly promotional, again, just trying to engage with each other, trying to find out a little bit about themselves, trying to find out a little bit about each other's problems so that they can address those problems. There is real engagement. A massive revelation for me over the last few weeks has been my experience with Snapchat. Yes, I've actually gone on to Snapchat and I had to suspend my disbelief because up until about three or four weeks ago, I actually thought Snapchat was all about teenagers snapping pictures of their bare bodies and sending these around to their friends and knowing that those photographs will disappear within 10 seconds and nobody will ever see them. So I always thought, no, 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 Snapchat, nothing to do with me. That's not the sort of platform that I would need to be involved with. But I downloaded it because a lot of very high profile American marketeers have been successfully using Snapchat, not overly promotional, but using it for engagement. So I gave it a try. And do you know, 
the engagement levels on Snapchat are absolutely phenomenal. And it isn't about under 16-year-olds flashing pictures of their bare bodies around the world. It's about people creating relationships, creating engagements, creating long-standing business relationships, helping each other out, solving each other's problems. It's an amazing experience. It's taught me a lot about engagement over the last few weeks, and I really recommend that you give it a try. Download it, check it out, follow a few high-profile people and see what they're doing, see what the stories that they're telling online look like, sound like, and feel like. And you might learn a lot more than you might think from those engagement levels on Snapchat. And this got me thinking about this whole engagement piece, about how people like to feel values, about how people like to listen to stories, about how people prefer to hear stories rather than overt promotions, in-your-face adverts, hard sell. When you look at something like Twitter, when you look at something like Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook as well, you can't help realise that people like to be engaged. They like to be treated like individuals. They like to be made to feel that they matter. And unfortunately, a lot of companies in the United Kingdom and probably all over the world don't seem to get this whole engagement thing when they think about their customers Engagement seems to be something that is completely alien to them. Customer experience seems to be completely alien to them. Customer service seems to be completely alien to them. I'm going to have to give you an example. I'm going to have to give you an example. I'm not going to name the company. I don't really think that it's the it's the aim of the aim of this podcast to name and shame, but it's a financial services company. And it's a company that I've had to deal with quite a lot over the last 20 or so years because I have, or had, with this company, an endowment policy. And this endowment policy was coming up for its maturity. Yes, I have stubbornly hung on to my endowment policy for nearly 25 years. Despite the mis-selling scandal, despite the compensation, I hung on to it because it was a good savings plan and because even though I no longer have a mortgage that needs to be paid off, it was a great savings discipline. And of course, it's going to mature with a a relatively decent lump sum. So I needed to get in touch with the financial services provider that ran my endowment. And what was quite surprising was that the only way I could get in touch with them was either by phone or by letter. No sign of an email address, no sign of a Twitter account, No sign of any communication vehicle other than phone, other than letter. So, of course, I got myself on the phone straight away with the intention of ringing them up and asking for a surrender value and a surrender form that I could fill in so that they could pay me the money of the maturity value of the policy. I phone up, and as you would expect, I was immediately faced with about six different options. So I chose option number three, I think it was, and then option number three gave me another four options. I chose option number two, and that gave me another six options. And finally, I was put through to an agent. But of course, as you would expect, I then had to sit and listen to a particularly dire piece of lift music for about 25 minutes until finally the agent managed to come onto the phone to talk to me. Now, the agent was pleasant enough. No problem at all with that. It was a very pleasant person. And he took me through the security questions. I gave them the policy number. They took me through a few compliance things. They wanted to make sure that I'd had financial advice and I was definitely wanted to surrender this policy. And that was fine. He said, I'll have this out to you as soon as possible. A week went by. No surrender value. No letter. No discharge form. 
So I phoned them up again. I went through the first layer of IVR, the second layer of IVR, the third layer of IVR, and I listened to that music for another 15 minutes. And finally, a rather bored lady came on the phone, took all my details again, went through the security questions, and she said, what's the problem, sir? And I said, well, I rang up over a week ago asking for a surrender form and a value. Oh, well, you'll be getting that, sir. And I said, well, it's over a week ago. Well, our SLA is five days. And we met that obligation and we sent it out within five days. I said, well, I haven't got it yet. So, well, that'll be the Royal Mail for you, sir. So I thought, well, what's an SLA, a service level agreement? They have a five-day service level agreement. That means that they don't have to send out or respond to a letter or a communication until five days have gone by. Well, actually, what it means is that they have to try and reply to it within five days. But I have to say, I did wonder whether that meant that when they get a piece of correspondence, they put it into a pile for five days and then deal with it. Is that what happens? I don't know, but that's what it felt like to me. Anyway, and I waited. And a letter arrived another three days later. But it wasn't a surrender value. It wasn't a discharge form. It was a letter telling me that my endowment policy was still assigned to a bank. So I had to go back to the bank, had to get them to write another letter. And guess what? Another week and a half goes by. I have no contact with them at all. So I phoned them up again. Level one IVR, level two IVR, level three IVR. And I got through to another very bored sounding individual. And all they did was continually quote the five day SLA. And as far as this person was concerned, she was giving a good experience and good service as long as they met their five-day SLA. Now, it's not her fault. It's not his fault. They're giving service that they've been told to give. It's the management's decision that this is acceptable service for a consumer. This is an acceptable experience for a consumer. To me, it's not an acceptable experience. Why couldn't they just answer it straight away? You just get that feeling that the five-day SLA is an excuse. Do they not want to wow the customer? Well, we have a five-day SLA, but we answered it within 30 minutes. There doesn't seem to be that passion for doing something above and beyond. No, no. Five-day SLA, sir. You'll have to be happy with that. That's what we do. That's all we do. I came away feeling very disappointed about that. I still haven't had my surrender value whilst recording this podcast now, and this has been going on for nearly six weeks. But we live in a digital society, and here's a financial services company that will only let me contact them by phone or by snail mail. I can't contact them by email address. I can't contact them by social media. What happened at the end of each of these phone calls? I came away feeling enraged. I was cross. I felt like I'd been treated not as an individual, but as somebody who was actually annoying them. I was actually the one who was made to feel as if I was at fault. How dare you phone us up? How dare you phone us up and make us do some work? I felt enraged when I should have felt engaged. And it just got me thinking about this whole thing of engagement and how somebody somewhere must have a massive opportunity to focus on a real customer engagement rather than creating the situation where the customer just feels enraged. Because an enraged customer, particularly in the financial services industry, is going to continue to think what a lot of people already think, that financial services companies don't value them as customers, don't really care about giving good customer service, and are actually in it just for the money. 
And this is a massive, massive issue for the financial services industry, for financial services providers. And I don't see anybody doing anything about it at the moment. The man on the street, the man on the Clapham omnibus, people on the whole aren't feeling engaged by financial services companies. And that's a problem because they don't actually value the sort of services that we offer in the first place. Protection, life insurance, critical illness, income protection has always been a grudge purchase. Protection, critical illness, income protection has always been the sort of product that has to be sold to a customer. They don't actively look out. They don't actively seek out to buy it. And yet we don't engage them. Our service and our experience puts them off. And of course, people associate financial services with poor service and lack of engagement. They see watchdog programs, lambasting companies for turning down claims. They see mis-selling scandals about PPI, pensions mis-selling, endowment mis-selling. So surely this must be a massive opportunity for somebody to turn things around and become the company that engages rather than enrages. Let's focus on protection for a moment. Most developments in the protection industry focus on one of three things. First of all, price. Constant reductions in prices to make sure that products stay at the top of the comparison engines. Now, this is okay. It gives customers a good value for money product. But on the whole, price competition isn't growing demand for these products because on the whole, they're grudge purchases, as I've already said. So, Constant reduction in prices are not engaging customers. The second thing that we do is constantly add features, add critical illnesses to critical illness products, add added value services like Best Doctors and Red Arc to these products. Now, I'm not saying these are bad things. They are great, very good value for money benefits that bring more than just money to a proposition. But again, on the whole, the man on the street doesn't really value these services. They have to be sold to them. Therefore, focus on product developments like this while it allows a company to continue to compete within the financial services industry with other product providers. It doesn't engage the customer. It doesn't help to grow the market. And finally, we tend to tweak the underwriting process, sometimes under the veil of offering better customer experience and better service. But that's often just so that we can tighten up the underwriting in order to keep those prices low. And again, it doesn't engage and it doesn't grow the market. In fact, if you have somebody applying for a policy that they think is going to cost £20 and in fact it ends up costing £30 because of the underwriting, they're going to feel, well, this company doesn't want me. This company is charging more for me. That's not engaging. That's not going to help to grow the market. That's not going to help us to overcome some of the preconceptions that the public have of the financial services industry. But despite all of this going on, I hear it all the time. Companies that say that they are focused on customer, that they are passionate about customer service, that they are passionate about customer experience. But who really means it? If you say you are passionate about customer service, are you just paying lip service to customer service and customer engagement? Or do you really mean it? Are you really providing the customer engagement that we need? Are you providing that Twitter level of engagement, that Snapchat level of engagement that I was talking about before? Interestingly, I was reading an article in Forbes, as a matter of fact, about KLM, the Dutch airline. KLM have absolutely nailed the customer experience, the customer engagement that they offer using Twitter. Of course, this is a massive, massive multinational organization with 
thousands of employees. We're not talking about a smallish life insurance company here or a financial planning company on the high street. This is a massive company. They have 150 staff manning the Twitter account. Their aim is to answer, in most languages, any tweet within 20 minutes. They've created so much engagement with customers through the Twitter account that they are generating through that Twitter service team an extra $25 million of revenue because of the engagement, because of that Twitter team. So you can imagine somebody tweets, um, I'm trying to find out whether a certain plane has been delayed or I'm trying to find out if KLM fly to a certain route. They'll use Twitter to engage with that customer, not to overly promote, to engage, to answer their questions, to solve their problems. And then at the end of the conversation, they may offer them some sort of deal for a flight or offer them some sort of repeat booking. This customer engagement focus for the KLM Twitter team is generating massive, massive revenues over and above the revenues that they're already bringing in. So what does the financial services industry need to do? In my opinion, we need to think about what we're innovating. Yes, we need to continue looking at the rates and staying competitive. Yes, people are going to still have to add features to the product so that they remain competitive and that advisors will recommend them. But these things are obviously not growing the market. So maybe it's time to focus the innovation on the customer experience. Take a leaf out of the KLM book. Have a look at other industries that are really nailing social media, really nailing the engagement on social media. Can you use Twitter? Can you use Facebook? Can you use Snapchat? Whatever it is. Of course, deal with customers by phone and by snail mail, but also give them the option to go by email, to Skype them, to FaceTime them, to use the aforementioned social media. Just offering telephone and snail mail isn't enough anymore. And I'm the customer. Don't make me feel like I'm the nuisance. Treat me like a VIP. Make me want to come back and experience your service again. Please don't quote SLAs at me. I'm not interested. Try to make me say, wow, this company really cares about me. This company wants to get my correspondence off their desk and me happy as soon as they possibly can. Let's start to think about customer engagement because true customer engagement will start to help us overcome some of those nasty preconceptions that people have about financial services companies. Let's focus on the future. Let's engage rather than enrage. Wow, that was a bit of a rant, wasn't it, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the Empath Podcast. I hope that gave you a bit of food for thought. I hope it didn't come across overly ranty, but it really is something that's been playing up on my mind recently as I've been looking in detail at how other companies are using social media, how other companies are using social media to engage with their customers. Here is a fabulously huge opportunity for somebody in the financial services provider sector to try to do something massively different to truly engage with the consumer and to truly break the mold. Thanks for listening to the Empath Podcast. Do please come back next week for this great interview with Chris Marr from the Content Marketing Academy. Great ideas, great insights on how you can use the principles of content marketing to grow your business. So until next week, everybody, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business. for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk 
forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?